0: Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan.
1: Happy clarinet day, Joe. I appreciate it's a bit random, but there might be a clarinet somewhere in the background of this theme music.
0: Did you play any instruments ever at any point?
1: I think we've discussed this before. The answer is no.
0: Do you remember mine is? Piano? Stand up bass.
1: Stand-up bass. Why? Like
0: the bass fiddle, like the giga- I it was like a a four foot eleven child carrying a seven foot bass around with me, like a
1: loser. How has this never come up in conversation before?
0: It was very brief and a very embarrassing time in my life. My teacher was a dick. I hated practicing. I was terrible at it. Huge disaster.
1: Wow, we're like three lines into the show and already sidetracked.
0: Coming up on today's show, well, we <laughs> did it. The NAPT happened, and it was a success. Even though I kind of feel like we earned a bit of a victory lap, pun intended, uh, we are still deep in PokerStars PR land in Las Vegas, grinding the charity poker F1 Red Bull racing scene. It's great, but we're wiped. Listen, you can hear it. We are fucked. We'll tell you more about... The latter half of this trip, next episode, this week, it's all about getting granular with how the NAPT and the big game both went down behind the scenes. Also, I think I have a Sandy the
1: Degenerate story. Okay. If, if it needs to wait for next week when your voice might be more on form, we can. Alright, we'll see.
0: We'll see how things go. We'll see how this episode's go. And how much detail we get into about the NAPT uh before we get to that. This week's super fan is You Struggles.
1: Is that? A- and hopefully he won't. And hopefully he will be you answering <laughs> questions about his specialist subject community. Uh, I like community a lot. I still
0: haven't finished it for some reason, but it is a very, very good show. Um, have you have you had a chance to watch anything?
1: I have, because people were starting to spoil it on social media. Game Watched of gold. The first two episodes. <laughs> oh, no. The first two episodes of a different reality show, the 007 Road to a Million reality show. You cared about spoilers which, for that? Well, I just kind of wanted to go into it with an open mind without hearing other people's opinions or hearing about specific things that happen in it. Uh-huh. I'm... Not overly impressed. I'm not going to lie to you. There's very little connection to Bond. What connection there is is tenuous, other than the locations they're using. Um, more than anything, it has some high points, but for a lot of the time, it's really, really boring. Uh, how's, really how's, boring.
0: How's Brian Cox?
1: I don't want to say phoning it in because that would be no. That
0: would be unfair. That's
1: what I would guess. But it's so clear that they filmed everything he did in a studio after the event and are just like cutting in inserts from time to time.
0: I don't remember if we had this conversation personally or off th- uh, on the air, but just a reminder, my buddy who produced that talk show about succession said Brian Cox is by far the coolest person on that entire cast and loves interviewing him and thinks he's the greatest guy in the world.
1: And I believe Brian Cox thought he was being cast in a Bond movie before ending up in this reality <laughs> show. So <laughs> That is
0: fucking hilarious.
1: But no, understandably, there has been little time to watch anything because as you established at the top of the show, Joe, for the last week and a bit, it's all been about the NAPT. Well, we've been hyping it up, Joe, for the last few weeks. The North American Poker Tour returning for the first time in more than a decade. I'm going to call it. I'm going to say it was a success.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, we know poker players aren't exactly shy about complaining about things. If they're not having a good time, if they feel like they're not getting value, if they feel like they've had better things elsewhere. I didn't hear a lot of complaints. I heard a lot of uh, people being pretty happy. I think there was a, you know, I got some complaints from the folks that we usually deal with about how the main event wasn't a 5K. I think that will probably yep. no longer be a complaint moving forward. Other than that, I think that we brought a lot of that PokerStars live event magic from Europe that we've been seeing for the yep. last 10 to 12 years. And for the most part, it translated. It delivered here in Las Vegas.
1: I think a lot of the things that we take for granted, the way that the room looks, the tables that we use, the fact that people play eight handed, it was a novelty for a lot of people here in Vegas and they really appreciated it. I think there are some things that need to be tweaked and they will be tweaked. It's not like this isn't a learning process and that there isn't room for continuous improvement. But overall, I think most people were pretty satisfied and I think. We are very happy with how the event ran. Attendance with pretty much every event breaking its guarantee. So, yeah, I'm going to say coming in, I was a little bit nervous. None of us really knew what to expect, having not run a Pokestars event in Vegas since 2010. But overall, two thumbs up. Yeah, and I
0: got to say that I think something that added to it for me is, uh, and I know it's going to sound like I'm just like on the, the teat, the company teat here, but... The, the power path situation and having so many qualifiers come over from Europe and the gold pass winners specifically um, and all the cool stuff they got to do and the sort of excitement that they brought to Las Vegas with them and getting to see so much cool content of the stuff they were doing on-site, off-site, um, that all really added to it for me. And I'm really, I'm really loving this new system.
1: I am loving the fact that these gold pass winners are still here because, of course, these were the Vegas Special Edition gold passes, which means they didn't just get to play the 5K high roller at the NAPT. They are staying in Vegas for the Formula 1 Grand Prix as well. So they are still in town, still doing cool shit, Joe. All
0: right, well, we've we've got Grand Prix stuff to get to, but I guess we should do things in order the way they happened on the NAPT. And the first thing that we really had to do here was the big game, and the first thing we had to do about the big game was the audition process.
1: Yeah, I mean, last time we spoke to you guys on the podcast, we were about to arrive in Vegas, and we said the very first thing we were going to do on Saturday morning was head down to the Resorts World Poker Room and see how many people had showed up for these tournaments, these qualifying tournaments that were running at the weekend. And it was almost... The perfect number, Joe. It wasn't like people had showed up the night before and had camped out. It wasn't like there was a ridiculous line of 200 people. But there was a line. There was a buzz. There were people getting there early to scope out what was going on. And genuine enthusiasm and genuine excitement from people who wanted to play these tournaments because they wanted to be. On the big team.
0: yes I did like the way that worked out that the people that cared enough now some people did start nosing around about six o'clock in the morning um and what was cool is the people that did that they all got in the people that got there you know the registration opened at 11 a.m uh or at least they started taking people's names and numbers to come back at 11 a.m and anyone that got there by that time got in got into the tournament which yeah. is perfect um and anyone that got to the venue, by, I, I want to say early afternoon got in that did create an interesting dynamic in the shootout tournament itself where we had the really motivated super fans in the first flight and the second flight was like a little bit more value hunters and um, sort of people who wandered in didn't know what they were signing up for
1: I think the key is that we had decided and we didn't advertise this off the bat but we decided that anyone who wins their table anyone who advances to the audition process anyone who we were going to make jump across hurdles and jump through hoops for us we were going to give them something for it so we did put in the terms and conditions that you were going to get an NAPT main event ticket I think when word of that got out some people, not all, but some were looking at this as a free roll to win an NAPT ticket. So maybe in that second flight, there were some people who were just chasing the ticket and weren't actually that motivated by the prospect of playing on the big yeah, game.
0: Yeah, there was a little bit more wheeling and dealing in the second flight of uh, people trying to to win their table, we'll call it. Um, but in a way, that was kind of good because in the first flight... We walked around as people were waiting their tables going, we got some really good candidates here. Some people who I think yes. might make some really interesting loose cannons, especially given that I think in the first flight uh, out of the, the 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 10 winners, there were four women, right, in the first flight? Correct. And so we're like, cool, that's great. We wanted to make sure that we had some women to audition. That was you know, something we couldn't control, but something we were really hoping for.
1: Yeah, and of course and we'll come to this in a moment, it's not about representation. It's not about ticking boxes, but it is just having a diverse group of people to choose from. And I was delighted that when we did get to that audition phase, because again, you don't know what you're going to be delivered because it's a, a turbo shootout format. Anyone could win that table. We could have got, you know, 20 people who maybe weren't the best possible candidates for this TV show and the whole point of the audition process and it was a live version of what used to happen back in the day. The original big game did have people sending in audition videos and being interviewed over the phone by someone from PokerStars. We just decided to turn it into a TV show and have them do their audition pitch in person and then ask those follow-up questions to their face it is subjective, but you're looking for people who are going to make good TV. We're looking for strong personalities. And also we're looking for people who yes, are amateur players, but far enough along in their poker journey that they're not going to get eaten alive at the table. Yes.
0: It was, a, you know, I've said it's threading the needle, Um, you know, Personality is an easier thing to sort of judge, I think, in this case. Um, You know, you can see someone what someone's like in the room. You can see how they respond under pressure. It was an awkward situation asking people to walk in to a big room full of 20 people, all being very quiet, all looking at them, all staring at them, standing on a mark. Looking at me and James and Nadia, for those who don't know, we brought back Nadia Magnus, Nadia KGB to be part of the audition process, to sort of be a guide for the Loose Cannons, to sort of let them know what to expect and to help them with certain types of strategy, not mid-hand, but overall big game strategy. And so personality was easy to judge, but threading the needle of we wanted someone who was not a professional poker player and someone who was not a pure amateur. Um, By pure amateur, we auditioned one person who had a great personality. And I was like, I think that they are relatively new to poker. Like don't really completely understand the game. And I don't mean on a high level. I just mean like have only ever played in a bar. Before And so we wanted someone a little bit more skilled than that, but someone that was not making a living already from poker. I think we achieved that, but it was a difficult thing and it was a difficult thing, you know, to decide on that. Maybe we should have picked a 510 professional poker player to give them their shot. That's what we went with this time was relative amateur, but not total newbie.
1: And of course, it's very hard when people are coming into the room and you're having to say no to their faces. I do think the fact that they knew that they were going to leave the room and go and play the NAPT main event helped soften the blow. Um, We had very clear ideas on how it was going to work going in. I don't think what any of us expected was that Nadia was going to be, let's just say, brutally honest if... I think both Joe and I are capable of of, of tempering it and maybe sugarcoating it. Nadia, no.
0: It was was very interesting going in who was going to be the Simon Cowell. I think, obviously, I was expecting James to be sort of the harsher one of us. Um, I am perfectly capable of it when it comes to choosing who I think would be best for television. Just saying to someone, hey... I'm sorry, I don't think you got it. I don't think you're going to be, you know, I don't think you're what we're looking for here. Thank you. So uh, the way I call it, it was good cop, bad cop, worse cop. Because Nadia <laughs> was worse cop. And I'm not throwing her under the bus because you're going to see it. You're going to see it on, on television. I don't know how much you'll make whatever final
1: cut we do, but it'll be hard. That's a really good point, Joe. I, and I guess I don't want to say too much about it because people hopefully are going to get to see this in the actual TV shows when it comes to making the big game episodes I imagine it'll just be a bit of color at maybe the start of the first show but there is the prospect that we could get some decent content out of this and maybe a kind of sidebar series if you like a kind of accompanying series of videos on YouTube or just auditions uncut whatever I think we could get something out of this
0: oh for sure uh, it, it, uh, and Might as well talk about this. I would like people to see this for the reason of that there was like some weird chatter on Twitter afterward. I kind of wish Nadia had not addressed it at all because I think it – I don't know if it made it worse, but it certainly put it on my radar and I didn't need to see it. People seem to have a problem that we cast two women. And –
1: It wasn't. Sorry, Joe. Joe, are you implying that there's a level of misogyny in the poker world? Because this is shocking news to me.
0: I honestly didn't care about that. Like that was going to happen no matter what, and I could have ignored that. What really disappointed me was known quantities in the poker world calling for things like an audit of the audition process, or being accused of choosing people we were friends with, or other people who are like big names in poker just not being totally supportive. Of this. Okay. That disappointed me.
1: Sure. I mean, the first thing to say is that this is a free-to-enter competition, right? So no one was having to pay anything to play these qualifying tournaments or be a part of this. Second, everyone knew that they were entering a casting process for a TV show where there is going to be a certain amount of, well, a complete amount of subjective selection by the judges and the producers. Correct. But the third and most important thing to say is... When we talked, and it was myself, Joe, and Nadia, and the producers on the show, the consensus was we picked the two biggest and best characters slash personalities slash stories for these shows. They just happened to be two female players.
0: Yes, and there was a couple of things that from social media I wanted to address. One is the thing that made me the most angry, which is a guy who said... It should have been done out in the open to make the process more democratic. And man you have a fucking clue how television works. James you remember when they cast friends and it was democratic? What the fuck are you talking about? You idiot. You fucking moron. It's not a democracy. It's subjective. It's television. Please stay out of it. Go. Do not tweet ever again. Delete your account. Secondly I did like this tweet from Kat Arnsby. I thought it was interesting. And she said her theory is that in general, women who play poker are going to have more interesting personalities than men who play poker because it's going to attract women who are go-getters, women who are sort of uh, have a little bit more gumption and a little bit more spunk to begin with because they are entering into an arena where they are outnumbered and where they're going to need to have to have a little bit more brass in order to uh, to contend. And I thought there was something to that. I would say of the four women who did win their shootout tables, three of them were really strongly considered uh, and went very deep into the casting process.
1: I think that's a very good point, And I think that's astute analysis from Kat but yes it was um Nikki and Lily. Lily who were eventually cast uh Nikki Limo and Lily Newhouse who were cast as our two loose cannons and this is the tough part right because i so want to talk about what happened over the course of the next yeah. 2 hours but because we're filming this for tv and people aren't going to get to see these shows until 2024 no spoilers so we can't tell you how Nikki got on we can't tell you how Lily fared can't really tell you anything that happened at any of the games. All we can really tell you are the lineups. And obviously we teased who was going to be playing last time around. I think most of you know by now, right? Because it was the big game on tour. It was played out in the open on the set at the NAPT. You've seen photos. So you know who was in the game. The first table had Lex Veldhouse, Phil Helmuth, Jennifer Tilly, um, Arden Cho. And also Alan Keating. Uh, at that table was Alan Keating. So that was the lineup at the first table. Second table had Sam Grafton, Phil Lark, Maria Ho, um, a businessman who we are calling Furniture Dave, and Michael Ian Black. Those two tables were very, very different. Yeah. In a very interesting way, how the table played, the dynamic between the players, how the loose cannons fared against those players, but both were very entertaining. And... I've said this a few times. I'm going to say it again. Over the years and in the months that we've discussed bringing back the big game, I've always said, Joe, I'm really concerned that it was lightning in a bottle. I'm really concerned that it was of its era, of its time, and we can't recapture that magic. I can confidently say I was wrong now because we did recapture that magic, and we've got some really fun cash poker that we're going to be able to show on TV next year.
0: I'm excited and I have have tingles just hearing you say that James, like I have literal goosebumps thinking about it again and how excited I am for people to see this I was actually, you will know this better than I do oddly enough so um, when our producer Eric finally got me interviewed me, sat me down to do like sit down interviews about this and we were talking about the old big game and the new big game, was there Anyone on this production other than me that was present for the first one?
1: I do don't think so. You would you you'd know if any of the American team worked on that show, but none of our guys did.
0: That's fucking weird. I didn't realize it until that I was really the only link to like what happened back then. Gary and Gary was on the original one also, um and I do have to give a quick shout out to everyone who worked on this. Um, for making this come together. And Gary uh, specifically was a huge help to me booking people for the big game, which is arguably one of the most important aspects of this. So, um, yes,
1: I can't wait. The production was a huge undertaking. And bear in mind that everyone... After two very long days, and just to be clear, the game played from approximately 1.30 in the afternoon to 1 in the morning. It was like a 12-hour session to play those 150 hands with breaks. But we were starting at like 8, 9 in the morning to get ready for that game. And after the game was over, some of the team would have to stay to do post-game interviews with the players. So they were two very long days. And then we segued straight into three days of NAPT coverage, the three live stream days we did picking up the action on the penultimate day of the NAPT main event. And it was, you know, on the one hand, Joe, it's like, okay, well, this is like familiar territory now, which all we have to do today is yeah. a live stream after the brutality of the big game. But also it's like, I'm bloody knackered already. And this has only meant to the first day of our broadcast. Buddy,
0: I don't remember the penultimate day. I don't like, I, I know we did it, but I don't, And I know who must have made it because I know who was at the final table, but that day was such a blur for me because I was on the high of the big game and also just sort of looking forward to what was coming afterward. I don't have a ton of recollection of that day, but I
1: know it was fun. It was a relatively short day. I should say that all three days were short, which I guess was advantageous to anyone watching in Europe who didn't want to have to stay up beyond 3 a.m. But... Yeah, that day saw us play down from thirty-four to the final table. Seven, the final I seven. Think. Yeah, I think we got to, and the big story was Nick Shulman. He was on our feature table at the start of that day. He made the final seven, and coming into that final day, coming into the final seven, I'm gonna say he probably was the best-known, most accomplished player at the table, but Sergio Aido not far behind in terms of ability, results, and profile, certainly outside of the USA. Yeah,
0: of course, and I think if, you know, you take away Nick's uh, notoriety from being uh, a commentator over the last decade or so now, um, it would be much closer. Uh, Not that Nick's not as talented a player, but Nick is more of a cash game player, at least is what he was known as for a really long time, so I think that the reason why he's way more on people's radar now is because of that commentary. And of course that was the running gag through all of our commentary is just how highly regarded he is as a commentator and how fucking annoying I find that (laughs) because he's really good at it. And it is quite annoying because I can't really compete with him in the ways that, uh, you know, that he and Ali have a good thing going. And so uh, I'm a little bit jealous of of the attention they get. But he's a cool cat and a cool customer. I think he might have gone deeper in that main event. I think he went out six um, of seven. It, maybe maybe it was a little bit later. But he misclicked at one point and made a, a massive raise unintentionally. And, yeah. you know, that's going to happen sometimes when you're working with a new chipset. And I think their chipset we use is great, by the way, and had really good, interesting colors that, you know, you don't always get. Uh, in a chipset, but I think that he just wasn't used to them. And I think that threw him off because I saw him do a post game interview where he mentioned it also. So I think that not only did the misclick hurt him, but I think mentally it hurt him as well after that. He never really seemed to recover from that.
1: Yeah. And interestingly, Sergio Aido, having built up a, a pretty strong chip lead at one stage, we got to that point, and we've seen it a lot recently, where four or five handed. They just start getting really tight. The blinds catch up with them. The stacks become shallower. And as a consequence, every single pot then involves massive swings. And Aido went from being chip leader to the shortest stack. He was eliminated. And then the story really became Sammy the dealer, Sammy Besherhead, who many people on the stream immediately recognized as, oh, that's Sammy the dealer from Hustler Casino Live. And Sammy had a lot of fans out there because of his appearances on that stream
0: had a lot of fans and got a couple of new ones I would say too because seeing the way he conducted himself hearing his story uh hearing that his wife was pregnant nine months pregnant right right now yes um you know any day now he's expected to become a father um you know, that's the kind of story. Someone who comes from the other side of the table, they come from the media, they come from a, a dealer position. I mean, that's an underdog story we can all root for. That's that's what got us a lot of us into poker in the first place.
1: Absolutely. Um, so Sammy took down the main event, the first NAPT main event winner since 2011. He won more than a quarter of a million dollars. Let's hear from Sammy because Joe spoke to him on stage after he claimed victory.
0: Sammy, first of all, European winner on the first NAPT back in a long time. Whatever, we're just going to skip over that. You came into today as the chip leader, but it wasn't exactly an easy ride. What were you feeling throughout the course of the day today through those ups and downs? Uh,
2: I was kind of uh, in a weird spot most of the time. I, don't, I didn't know where I have to be more aggressive or less aggressive. So most of the time I just let it go and waited for, for good sense because I, I know throughout this tournament like I faces like some incredible players and my the final table was an example of it like and i was the least experience the second least experience in this final table so yeah i had to go manage this carefully take my time and that works works out pretty well and i had very um, i won the very important spot like the pair of nine against pair of queens uh, which was like the most important spot of the tournament yeah
0: Pretty scary stuff for sure. We know that you just said you don't think you're very experienced as a poker player. We know you're quite experienced. Yeah, compared to them. Compared to them, but yeah. you're quite experienced as a poker dealer. Which one of them is harder work? 100% de- uh,
2: player. 100% <laughs> player. A uh, dealer, you, you you just work and you, know, you have no you face no variance. Poker tournaments is brutal. Like it's been a rise since March. I haven't won pretty much. I mean, I won a, a lot of tournaments in between, but I haven't won much. It's been like, it's. It's stressful it's stressful when you go some
0: through some downswings like I did but I'm back I'm well back. hopefully it's some consolation I mean you just won first of all second of all you've got a lot of fans out there people that are fans of your dealing is there anything you want to say to them oh I
2: want to I, I didn't know I had like a fan base I didn't look at the chat but like a, I want to say thank you for the support i received millions of messages my i can't even read them all like it's just crazy what's going on right now first win in vegas like i won couple tournaments here and there but first very first win in vegas so that feels that feels good too i like to i I like that too yeah
0: and finally i know that you have a child on the way this is going to be some kind of story for them huh
2: yeah that's for him i'm doing all that for him like He's coming like anytime soon within like a few weeks and the, everything I, I do right now is going to be for him and it's, it's good. It's the baby run good. It worked out.
1: Sammy Beshhead, winner of the NAPT Las Vegas main event. We were not done. This was the thing that really screwed with me, Joe. When was the last time we did a live stream that did not conclude with the final day of the main event?
0: It's been a while. It's not never, but it's been a while.
1: Sure. So to come back the next day and do another stream for a different final table really confused me. But we did have the 5K high roller. And we already mentioned earlier, this is the tournament that the 30 gold pass winners got to play. Uh, Many of them making it through to day two. Sadly, only one of them making the money on day two. (laughs) Arden Cho bubbled. I think then our last gold pass winner went out. They then played down to the final six. Nadia Magnus, we've already talked about Nadia, former loose cannon and a very important part of the new big game on tour. Nadia bubbled the FT by going out in seventh place. So we had six players, many of whom we knew, players like Shannon Shaw, John Andres, uh, and and Jesse Lonis came back for that final day to play that six-handed final table. I talked about the other days being short. This final table was a little bit blink and you'll miss it.
0: It was really quick, thankfully. I'm not complaining. Obviously, it's over, so I can't jinx it. Um, And it felt like the players, you know, I think it was weird for us to do another day of coverage after the main event, and I think for the players, too. I think that everyone was like, you know, it was kind of like the last day of school. People were pretty chillaxed at that final table, despite the fact that it was the high roller, and it seemed like they were ready to get out of there. Again, it was a little bit of, like, ICM folding and whatnot for a while but by the end people were just I don't know it was it was I would say this it was lower energy than uh, than the other final table was
1: well it was Sam Laskowitz who took down this high roller and once again Joe had the opportunity to talk to him after the tournament
0: Sam from what we can tell you're relatively new on the poker scene and today not just today but yesterday and today you defeated a bunch of heavyweights how does that feel it's very gratifying uh
2: makes me feel like i belong and um like i can play at this level and succeed so
0: it's uh it's good
2: it's, it feels great really
0: it seemed like y'all were having uh quite a bit of fun was it as fun as it looked yeah it was a very fun tournament uh
2: good structure all the guys were really fun um we had some laughs and then yeah it was fun Good
0: time. from what i understand you started off playing a $400 tournament like a year ago. Now you're playing 5Ks. How does that happen? Uh,
2: a lot of hard work and good luck. Uh, obviously, you got to run good and you hit a couple of big tournaments. You get a, a bankroll, but you got to study and work hard and just keep at it and you'll get to you know the levels that you want to go.
0: So that was that was the interview that made it to air. And, um, you know, what's funny is what I finally realized over the years to peel back the curtain a little bit. What I do now is I do let the player know what questions I'm going to ask when we go live Uh, for a while. That's fair. Yeah. For a while, I thought it would be better to just sort of surprise them, but no, I want to give them a second to think about their answers. And um, I didn't want to focus too much on the fact that his, first ever tournament which he told me off the air was the four hundred dollar colossus it's not one of our events so i didn't want to you know put too much attention on that so he said yes that was my first ever live tournament and i was in it for one bullet wow and i was just he made
1: he made the final table right He like made it like a six-figure score second
0: he finished second wow So I was just like, hey, man, and he just won this high roller. And that was a year ago. So it was in 2022, the Colossus, 2023 wins a 5K high roller here. And I go, hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, it's not always going to be like this. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, no, I think it is. So, yeah, that was like, so that kind of, I think that sort of informs the interview you just heard. Like it's coming from someone with that sort of mentality, which I don't agree, But guess what? The people who think that, they do win poker tournaments. So God bless.
1: Well, talking of uh, hashtag positivity, we did have Phil Helmuth in the booth for the concluding stages of the high roller alongside Griffin Bencher. And both Griffin and Phil were talking about the fact that because this final table had finished early, both of them were going to play the last event on the NAPT schedule, which was the 1K Hyper Turbo. And Griffin
0: won it. I know. Griffin is an NAPT champion. Our son, our son, Griffin Benger. My work wife and I have a son. His name is Griffin Benger, and he won the 1K Hyper Turbo, $17,000. Not bad because it was over in a few hours. I think it was over by the time we got back from dinner that night. He
1: joined us at dinner.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, not bad for a night's work. And I can't say anything. But yes, I was glad that Griffin did win a little money this week.
1: Okay, glad to hear it. And yeah, to keep things chronological, um, the NAPT wrapped on Sunday. Monday, we had a little bit of downtime, and I was able to play No Limit Hold'em at Resorts World. The first poker I played at this venue all week managed to win 300 bucks in a 1-3 cash game, which I was very happy about. And now it's all about the build-up to the Formula One Grand Prix, which is this weekend. And we mentioned last episode that there was some fun stuff going on in the run-up to that. The only thing that's happened so far, well, two things have happened so far. There was the official launch party last night, but the big thing was Tuesday, Joe. Let's talk about what our trip to Bakersfield.
0: Yeah, well... Uh, So this was similar to a Red Spade Pass experience I got to do a few months ago. Um, You guys heard about it where we got to hop on a private plane and go to Vegas for the day. It was the reverse here. We were in Vegas and got at Resorts World, which is where we ended up going when I was in L.A. We came to Resorts World, now Resorts World. We didn't go to L.A., but we went to Bakersfield, California, because apparently there is this race... Not a race, sorry, like a drive that every yes. F1 Grand Prix has something called the Grand Toro where the Red Bull Oracle team like organizes people to drive these supercars on a road trip and they stop along the way for wine tastings and, I don't know, bowling or whatever else. And on this trip, it was poker. So the thing about the private plane ride this time, though, is the last time it was just like a small plane it was like a basically like a commercial plane, but small. This was a private plane. This was like Blofeld, twisty chairs, baskets of snacks, marble countertops, recliners. This was this was the real deal private plane. Only the third time in my life I got to ride one. It is a you know it is one of those things that hopefully never gets old for you. Hopefully is always like Absolutely. a treat that happens. So they. James had a very difficult job of now there are really important people on this flight not just me but like some of the bosses some of our bosses 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 uh were were attending this event and James was in charge of making sure that they were on the shuttle on time and he was under
1: orders that if they were not
0: to fucking leave them <laughs>
1: now to be to be fair that was that's what I inferred from the instruction. But I also made it clear to everyone that if you're not there on time, we will leave without you. And the warning worked because everyone showed up.
0: That's right. You didn't have a sweat, did you?
1: No, no sweat.
0: Including me, who <laughs> I had some issues. But, um, yes. Yeah, so we did end up flying out to Bakersfield, got to this bar, which they had, again, given the Poker Stars treatment, had completely redone, turned it into, like, a cool... Sort of roadhouse poker stars kind of vibe. James taught this group of influencers, uh, who are on the Grand Toro, uh, how to play poker. There are inner, these are F1 uh, influencers from the UK and from uh, Brazil. I think there's a professional skateboarder maybe from Brazil. Yes. Uh, that was pretty cool. And um, as, as typically happens the people who were very new to poker had a very good time but did not go super deep in the tournament and the people who did go super deep in the tournament all ended up being poker stars employees uh top 3 spots uh which is good that's that's what's supposed to happen
1: including a certain andre kari and i did enjoy when Joe and I were emceeing the final table, and Joe mentioned the fact that Andre did not get the assignment, didn't understand his instructions, (laughs) which is, Andre, you're not supposed to win. But ultimately, the result doesn't really matter because you mentioned already, Joe, that these people who were just having a night out on this long road trip, playing poker the first time, more than anything, enjoyed themselves and had a great time. And that's what matters.
0: Yes, that is what matters. And, you know, that's ultimately what we're all trying to do is make sure that people, when they play poker for the first time, that they have fun and that they come back. And I think that seeing a couple of the influencers, influencers specifically, uh, Chelsea and Naomi, were so into it that I think they will be back. I think they will play poker again.
1: Fantastic. Um but it was a short trip to Bakersfield. We were only out of Vegas for 12 hours. The game wrapped around 11.20. And by 11.30, we were back on a shuttle back to the airstrip for our ride home.
0: Yeah, it was uh, really, uh, it felt cool. It feels badass to like go somewhere for the day and come back. And um, everyone was quite sleepy on the plane. Everyone was all tuckered out, knackered, as you guys say. Uh, just just a just a. I don't know. It felt like a very successful day. And any time that we get invited to something like this, which for a long time, I thought that we should be invited to stuff like this. But I want to make sure that we do our jobs. Um, And part of that is to make sure people have fun and to facilitate a good time. And I felt very satisfied. I felt like we we had done exactly what we were supposed to do.
1: So the postscript to this is that the Grand Toro finally arrived in Vegas yesterday evening. Joe and I arrived at the win just as the cars were pulling in. And Christian Horner was there to greet Daniel Ricciardo. And we saw Maria because she was part of the Grand Toro. And Ali uh, and Frankie and Andre. So, yeah, and we had a fun time hanging out with those guys last night at the official kickoff party. And we'll talk more about what's happening in Vegas. We'll talk more about Formula One week on next week's episode. And Joe, next week, I want to hear what happened to Sandy the Degenerate. All
0: right, I'll tell the rest of the Sandy story. Hopefully my voice is a little bit, hopefully Sandy's voice is a little bit better next week.
1: And before we return to the poker tables of Las Vegas, let's close out this week's episode with our super fan quiz and welcome Ewan Struggles to the show. Hello, Ewan. Hi, thank you for having me. Ewan, uh, do your worst. I'm not
0: going to do it to him. You know why? Because (laughs) last night after we went to the uh, Red Bull kickoff party, me and Tiffany Mm -hmm. Michelle stopped by to play a little video poker, and the bartender's name was Asia. And I was like, oh, that's funny. My bartender's last night was named Europe. And she just glared at me and (laughs) and was just like, you think I've never heard that before? And I felt like a real asshole. So guess what, Ewan? You're getting let off the hook. Last name struggles. I'm not going to do it because I'm embarrassed from last night.
3: You're welcome. I've heard them all before. I've heard them all. I know. Yeah.
0: I'm just (laughs) not going to do it.
1: So instead of Joe making terrible puns about your name, Ewan, tell us about yourself. What is your deal?
3: Um, so I'm 25. I'm from Sheffield in the north of England. I'm a financial crime consultant by day. Uh, I'm also a bass player in a band. Uh, I play amateur baseball in the UK, and I'm obviously a big fan of poker.
0: Baseball in the UK? That's pretty rare. Mm, yeah, very niche. How did you get into Baseball.
3: Um, so I enjoyed watching it as a young kid. I uh, I was in DC for a while, so I got, got really into my NFL, MLB when I was over there. Started watching, and then one day I was like, I might see if there's any clubs around me, and lo and behold, there was one virtually on my doorstep. So which is it, it was just serendipitous. Um, and yeah, it's a niche sport. Not a lot of people in the UK play baseball, but to be fair, over the last five six years, uh, baseball softball UK um, have been growing the sport. It's, there's now more clubs than ever. Uh, where I've got a good national team going to the World Baseball Classic, and you see more British people going to you know the minor leagues of the states yeah. and Japan, so it's fantastic.
0: Awesome. And then, um, what's the worst financial crime you've ever discovered?
3: Um, well, I work in money laundering, terrorist financing for commercial banks.
1: Holy um, shit.
3: So um, uh, I can't say, non-disclosure non- agreements prevent me from telling you everything. Of course. So
1: let's talk about baseball. Uh, well, let's talk about <laughs> poker, because you describe yourself as a fan of poker, Ewan. How much poker do you get mm. to play? Um, more
3: so now. Uh, I Well, I, I discovered poker at about the age of 14. My uncle showed me how to play, uh, and then YouTube and free money sites for player money sites when I was a kid. Then I got a stars account when I was 18, and then probably since COVID, I've really been studying, working hard. Um, entering myself into more tournaments and I'm now in a weekly poker league Nice. and in fact this Sunday I've got my uh, regional finals for that league Um, so I've been studying and
1: very nervous for that well which is good obviously what we want you to do is go into those finals showing off that you conquered in this contest of superfan versus staves and won yourself a $109 bronze power pass but to do that you are going to have to succeed in a quiz about the tv show community what made you pick this
3: Oh, I love it. Uh, it's, it's by far my favorite TV show. I was—I um, only discovered this relatively recently for how old of a TV show it is. Um, I showed The Office, the U.S. Office, to my best friend, and he went, Do you know what you'll love? Community. It's written by one of the guys from Rick and Morty. And I was like, All right, I'll give it a shot. And then I, I've just been hooked. I think it's probably unlike any other sitcom, um, mainstream sitcom at least. How it's got do you its feel about quirks.
0: the later seasons?
3: I thought the season that Dan Harmon didn't produce on is very clearly not as good. However, I do think the seasons after that, five and six, get a bad rap because of four being not so great. Yeah, I think all right. Even though they changed the cast, I still think you mm-hmm. are a great series. I, I think there were, there were more episodes that I'm happy to skip, but I still think it's a great series.
0: I think that's fair.
1: Okay, well, this quiz is about the first three episodes because obviously Patrick had to put a quiz together in very little time so we're concentrating purely on the first three shows. Um, Joe, how well do you remember the early episodes of Community? I want to know how uh, fair a fight this is likely to be.
0: <clears throat> Ewan sounds like a really bright guy. I think I'm gonna get my butt kicked, but um, yeah, cause I haven't had a chance to rewatch them. But I do remember, it's a pretty memorable pilot, I think, pretty memorable setup to the show. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I'll put up a fight, who knows.
1: Okay. 10 questions um multiple choice options are available should you need them i don't know the show at all so i'm gonna have to go with what patrick believes to be the correct answer and i will probably mispronounce some of the names and get some of the details wrong but whoop,
0: james whoop. you're in it you're you're in the early episodes
1: <laughs> what do you mean
0: jo- john oliver is on is in the uh early oh, seasons yawn. <laughs> back when he was just a comedian and not a not a crusader
1: so, Ewan, as our super fan, as our guest, you get to go first. Please give me a number between one and ten. Uh, let's start at the top. I'll go number one. Gonna go with number one. Is it Abed or Abed?
0: <laughs> ha! That's actually really funny. Because Chevy, Chevy, Ch- Chevy Chase's character calls him Abed because he's a racist asshole. His name
1: is Abed on the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does Abed say he got for Christmas when quoting The Breakfast Club? Uh a of cigarettes. It is indeed for two points. And Joe, you're up. Uh,
0: man, I feel like you have not paved the way. I'll take number two.
1: Number two. To prove that humans can connect with anything, Jeff names a pencil and then snaps it. What does he call the pencil? I knew the choices. Is it Steve, Brian, Billy, or Joe? Brian. It was Steve. So it's 2-0 <laughs> after the first round, and you can have any number other than one or two, Ewan. Go on, we'll keep going. Number three. Okay. What country does Britain say that journalists are being killed in? Guatemala. Guatemala for two points. Do yeah, you want to keep going chronologically, Joe, or do you want to mix it up I a bit?
0: I don't want to keep going at all. <laughs> uh, take, give me seven.
1: Always coming. Who gets teased for having a strange sneeze?
0: Uh, I'm gonna go with...
1: The multiple choice options.
0: Um, I'm gonna go with... I gotta gotta roll the dice here. Um, I gotta go with... What's what's that character's name? I can't think of his name.
1: Troy! Troy! You get two points. Well done. So you're still down. Down 4-2. As we go into the next round, four, five, six, eight, nine or ten available, Ewan. We'll go number four. You're going chronologically. Interesting strategy.
0: I feel like he's got a like strategy to this and it's making me angry, like he knows something I don't.
1: There's a reason, I'll tell you at the end. What item does Jeff trade with Arbed in order to switch his partner for the Spanish project? His shirt. I'll take your word for it, no idea what was going on there. Um Joe <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, give me number ten, please.
1: Number ten. What is the name of the school? Greendale. Correct, for two points. Okay, you're only two behind.
0: That was was a gimme, but okay, I got Uh, lucky
1: there. I'm gonna be honest with you, it's tough for you to make up those two points with the way things are going, but, uh, five, six, eight, or nine, Ewan? Five. Question number five. Who does Jeff eventually end up presenting the Spanish project with? Pierce. It is Pierce for two points. Six, eight, or nine, Joe. Eight, please. Professor Whitman rips up the menu at the cafe and orders what instead? I'll
0: take the choices.
1: Is it a cheeseburger, a bowl of Nutella, a whole turkey, or a birthday cake? A birthday cake. It is for one point. And we enter the final round. Six or nine, Ewan? Six. Senor Chang claims that the use of hands constitutes what percentage of Spanish? <laughs> what are the points right now? I don't know whether it's worth taking a gamble or just taking the multiple choices. Let's put it this way. You don't need to take a gamble. You don't even need to get the question right.
3: Right. I thought so. Sorry, I'll take the gamble. I think it's 90%. It but is it 90%. Could be so yeah. you've
1: scored a maximum <laughs> of 10 points. Joe, your yeah. final question is question number nine. Uh, what kind of business does Abed's dad run?
0: I'll know what I hear and I'll take the choices.
1: Okay. A nightclub, an internet cafe, falafel or an ice cream truck?
0: Oh. I thought I would know. It's an internet cafe or falafel. Internet cafe.
1: You lost a flip again. Uh, so by a two to one margin, by a score of ten points. I only points- didn't pick
0: falafel because it was because I was like, I'll pick the less racist answer. So I just went. <laughs> I took internet cafe, and I should have just gone for the stereotype.
3: The the stereotype leads to my favorite moment in all of these three episodes, in which Abad says that the, um, the 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 falafel industry died in two thousand and one because the the. the 911 was the 911 of the flaffle industry. <laughs> uh, anything after the last 2 minutes after that I don't remember because I'm usually just crying at that. It's a fantastic line.
0: <laughs> what was this strategy? Um, oh yes. I know
3: yeah, I know the first two episodes much better than the third. And my thinking was that when you create these questionnaires ah. you'll go questions from the first episode second episode third episode so i was just trying to avoid everything from that third episode
0: amazing well
1: Smart. You did it. the strategy did indeed pay off uh 10 points ewan five points to joe so you and you are a winner you are going to get the power pass you'll get some pokestars merch as well we will be in touch to get your details congrats
3: brilliant thank you very much thanks for having me on
1: not at all thanks for joining us cheers
0: All right, my babies, that's just about all the time we have got for this week's show. Coming up next time, the rest of the F1 recap. Yes, we've done a couple of the prelim events ourselves, but beginning today, the rubber meets the road. We've got charity events today. Yes. We've got more VIP events. We've got practice, actual cars being driven around Las Vegas today, tomorrow, Saturday. Next week's show, will tell you about everything else that happens. It might be the most nuts thing we've ever reported on on this show.
1: I know that Joe and I are going to get to host tutorials here at Resorts ahead of the charity tournaments. I know we're going to be hosting those charity tournaments. We might get to play them as well. So maybe there'll be some hand histories to throw in there as well.
0: Poker on our poker show.
1: I know, controversial, right?
0: weird. All right, my babies, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.